On this episode of DLN Extend, we discuss what happens when your favorite open source project goes closed. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 58 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from around the DLN community, places like the Discord forums, Telegram groups, Discord server, and more. We also snack topics from around the network and give you our takes. With me today are my two fantastic co-hosts, Nate, the open Susa extraordinaire, and Matt, the gaming magistrate. Welcome, guys. Good morning. <laughs> or afternoon now. I'm not sure which. <laughs> morning for some almost afternoon for others yes we have quite a few people here between twitch and youtube today it's really cool to see everyone and that they actually got to join us for this live show i know i'm surprised i mean because matt's here i would think that would have scared him away they all want to know what game he's <laughs> going to recommend next no that would have been michael showing up in the chat that would have scared everybody away <laughs> no everybody loves michael yes they do hi michael he's got that svelte hair and that very prestigious beard of his that he can stroke yes and wendy i would never have a game recommendation for people to potentially go spend their money on whether or not they do that's your own fault <laughs> Everybody who listens to this show knows better. They all know better. <laughs> what have you been up to this week, Matt? As far as myself, I've really not had a whole lot going on. Just a lot of personal stuff work, really. But one of the projects that I had backed on Kickstarter about three years ago was a video game. I've been burned by Kickstarter before. I think we all have if we've backed anything on Kickstarter. Nope. After about a couple of years, you tend not to really remember, let's be honest. So I had backed a game called Sense, a cyberpunk ghost story that I've mentioned a few times. I actually ended up getting everything that I had ordered originally shipped to me in two different versions. I ended up picking up a PlayStation version of the game with a couple of random posters and stuff. And I also picked up a PC slash DRM free physical PC edition that came and i was really stoked about that the nice thing is this game is linux native too by the way it rated m totally <laughs> cyberpunk need i say more that's probably my, my favorite thing that's been going on right now being reminded that i totally don't get burned all the time by kickstarter <laughs> well how many kickstarter projects have you kicked into 100 percent of the kickstarters i've backed have gone through I've only backed one. So I've backed Bard's Tale. Well, I should say Crowdfund. There is a difference. I did Torment, Tides of Numenera. I've done Pillars of Eternity. I did Pillars of Eternity 2. I've done Broken Age, which uh, was another game. But I've been burned by... So there was a smartwatch company that went out. I'll let you determine which one that was. There was another game I backed, which was Project Phoenix, which is supposed to be a game developed by the guy who originally did Final Fantasy Tactics that just kind of blew up and went nowhere. So there's been other projects that I've been burned by like repeatedly that made me kind of wary of Kickstarters and stuff. So that's kind of why I'm like, eh. You have this thing. Mm -hmm. Now, what are you going to do with it? Well, those particular things are going to be collectors. I already have the actual digital version of the game. Oh, okay. If people can tell, I collect video games. Not to mention my Steam account. For me, it was more about, I want to highlight the dev focused on fixing the issues that he, everything that was promised was delivered. After being burned a few times on crowdfunded stuff, you kind of like get a little cynical about like, ah, yeah, it'll probably never happen. Right. The fact that it did was awesome. That is cool. Now, I just saw low spec Linux. He put in the chat who asked who thinks that the Atari VCS will actually ship. I just saw a video of a guy by the name of Dan Wood. He's a kind of a retro computer guy that I follow on the YouTubes. He demonstrated an Atari VCS. It may not be the most fantastic piece of hardware. 
but I think it's pretty darn cool. And that's a whole nother show topic I want to use next week. Was that also a Kickstarter? It was an Indiegogo. Well, one of those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I've never put into any of those because I've been so worried about not getting the promises out of it. But it's cool to hear it came and it's good. Definitely. On this case, yeah, the Atari VCS actually is the thing. It's just only reviewers have gotten it currently. Some backers have actually gotten it as well. They're filling backer orders now is what they're doing. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I just like the design. Not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, just as a set-top PC, you know, maybe not for like high-end gaming, but you could probably do a Steam Link thing and have it be the front end of your Steam Link. And we're totally off show topic, but yeah, all kinds of things. And I think that'd be great. Yeah. Just like a media <laughs> computer. And it would just look so awesome next to a TV or whatever in the living room, I think. I might just think it looks top-notch. That looks good. With that being said, Nate, what have you been up to besides a lot? Not a whole lot when it comes to like Linuxy things because yeah, my life's got a little bit of turbulence going on right now, which we'll talk about later. This is part two with PyMega on the Raspberry Pi 400, which by the way, this is a really awesome device, this Pi 400. I stole it from my kid. He doesn't know yet. He'll probably figure it out today, but when he goes back to his room, an Amiga emulator that runs essentially sort of natively on the Pi. Let's say you want to get into retro computing and you want to do the Amiga, for instance. I think this is a great way, rather than spend the money on some 30-year-old hardware, the Amiga hardware, you can just hop right into it, which actually think about it, the design is really not that far from each other. One big wedge of a computer. It allows you to kind of get going with the Amiga where the hardware is reliable, Raspberry Pi reliable, and you can play with the Amiga Workbench. You can see how the desktop works, which by the way, it's been a few years since I've really like laid, like really dug into the Workbench. And after using Plasma for so many years, I feel like fish out of water now with Workbench, but I lived in it for a long time, reacquainting myself with it and all the different tools and so forth. So I don't blather on about that too long. I did get in contact with the creator of the project, Chris Edwards. And I started to compile information, you know, for someone who wants to just get into it rather than try and like watch a series of videos, a nice like step-by-step guide, download this, get this, do this, whatever. And so I'm starting to put some stuff together. More on that probably at another episode of the LN Extend. Suffice to say, this Chris Edwards guy, very interesting. Actually, I thought he was part of the Destination Linux community because he sounded like somebody else that I heard in the patron chat. It's not a real neat guy. I'm going to be beta testing his next version that he's going to be releasing 2.0. I'm really excited about it. So yeah, more on that. I'll probably be up to my eyeballs and excitement with this in the future, but it's been a lot of fun. Played a few games with it. It works really well for playing games. The Pi just makes it easy to just do. There's no like weird emulation tricks you have to do. It just, it's all right there, all ready to go. So it's a great way to kind of get going if you want to get into the Amiga platform. Deluxe Paint. Yes. I was a Deluxe Paint champion. That 640 by 400 resolution. Yeah. That was great. Good stuff. Nate, I got to ask the question though. Is it really stealing if your kid doesn't know it? Oh, he'll find out. He's probably going to be, well, he yeah, actually he'll be fine, but he'll find out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're not giving it back or you're just playing with it for now? A little bit of both. I choose not to answer that question. I will use my Fifth Amendment privilege <laughs> on that. <laughs> to keep silent. Yeah. Fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything that'll incriminate me, right? Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it's also kind of did some customization of the desktop. So it's a little more colorful than what it was, you know, originally. Yeah, it looks good. It's fun. I'd like to actually modify it to have the OpenSUSE Breeze theme. That's going to come not right away. I did that theme for OpenSUSE for Plasma. I'll get to it eventually. Not a high priority right now. I just need to learn and reacquaint myself with all the wonders of the Amiga. I mean, it's progressed quite a bit. So there's just a lot of things mm. to learn right now. But it's super fun. It really is super, super fun. Chris Edwards has done a great job and I'm very appreciative of his work. So Wendy, what exciting things do you have going on in your world? Probably school is wrapping up, I'm assuming. Yeah, nothing really exciting going on right now. It's just end of school wrap up, trying to get some of the other things that need to be done during the springtime and nothing fun. No new tech. I didn't go to my favorite pawn shop this week. I've actually barely even left my house at all. So there's like nothing new, nothing fun. 
just trying to get ready for an awesome summer. Well, I think that's fun to get ready for an awesome <laughs> summer. Yes. End of year work with my kids anyway is always just so painful, the process. Get him to finish that last report, get him to do the last bit of whatever it was. Yes. You might get your raspberry pie taken away if you don't do it. There you go. My daughter's the most <laughs> excited to have school wrapped up. She took two really hard classes this year. So she had eight books a piece that she needed to read for two different classes. And there were papers due every week for one of the classes. So I know she is just so excited to have this year done. And she's like, Mom, I'm glad I did that this year, but I can't take two of those classes again in a year. I just can't. <laughs> That's enough. Like, That's okay. That's okay. You made it through this year. DigitalOcean is offering their app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for many programming languages such as Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, Plus, there's support for static sites, Docker, and container images. What are the other cool things that go with this DigitalOcean app platform service? High stability, zero infrastructure management, run code with little to no customizations. App platform uses cloud native standards and automatically analyzes your code creates containers, and runs them on Kubernetes clusters. As a DLN Extend listener and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Actually, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 credit on DigitalOcean's app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. Last week, we had a really interesting topic on being a really good open source citizen. And it kind of made us all think about what would happen if your very favorite open source project was now closed source. Maybe it's still quote unquote free to use. Maybe it's now a paid to use app. Well, no, I don't want to go to Audacity because there's so much drama going around there. But what's another app besides that one that if it went closed source that you'd have an issue with, Matt, or how you'd feel? Ironically, I can actually relate to this. When I was on Ubuntu-based distros quite frequently, I would use UKUU so I could get newer kernels in an easier way for Ubuntu. Tony George, who he makes a distro called Umix OS, which is still based on Unity, is a paid for distro in order to access it. And I'm fine with that because it has certain aspects that are pre-configured, pre-loaded and all that kind of stuff. It's a little disheartening, not going to lie. That's kind of why I've gone more of the Arch and Manjaro kind of route as opposed to that because I have no problem paying for a perpetual license. I mean, it's like 12 bucks. It's not going to break the bank for having when I get new Ryzen hardware and <laughs> It decides not to work because, you know, Ubuntu or whatever. It's personally affected me before and it's a little disheartening. But on the same note, like it's this weird balance of like time and money, depending on what the developer values. Like if they view time and they should be compensated with money or, you know, whatever, then I'm not against it. It's a little anti 
I don't want to say anti-community. It's a antithesis of helping build a community around a project, but that's the developer's right to do what they will with the code. And if the community really wants to get behind something and doesn't like that it's gone closed source or open core or whatever business model they decide to go to, take the last known version that's available and fork the thing, build upon it, build what was there. Let the community decide where it goes. That's kind of where I stand with that kind of stuff. It's just more disheartening usually than anything else to me. I think with software freedom, people who create software have the freedom to do with it, whatever they choose. And so if a project wants to go closed source, that's of course their choice. Now, do I like that? No, I don't think it's a terrible idea and I don't like it at all. I know like MB was open source and then they made it a closed source project, I, I believe. It was unfortunate, but you know, Jellyfin then spun off and now they're kind of going their own direction with things. Sometimes I think when a project does go closed source, a project does pulling the rugs or whatever, it gives an opportunity for another idea to emerge. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's an inconvenient thing. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's a little bit like um, going to the beach and getting buried in sand and that uncomfortable feeling when you walk around afterward. It's not fun, but you can very easily wash it off in the lake. That's kind of how I view it. If the applications that I like to use, let's say Plasma went closed source, I think I would have an extremely, extremely, that would probably be like borderline end of the world for me. It would be awful. Actually, I just, I'd be extremely unhappy if that happened. Nate, that would be you having to switch to a GTK GNOME-based yeah. DE, which I don't think would ever happen. I think you probably just gave Michael and Chad a heart attack. I probably did. <laughs> the thought of that for him would also be devastating. Yeah, some of you who use GNOME, you'll be fine if Plasma went closed source. The rest of us who rely on Plasma, on the other hand, would be crying, not going to lie. Yeah, Michael just heard it. Wow, that would be catastrophic. Renegade next on Twitch. In today's news, the KDE Foundation was purchased by Microsoft. <laughs> oh, them be fighting words. I honestly don't know what I would do. I literally have no idea what I would do. Besides curl up in the fetal position and cry. Switch Ds, right? I mean, there are some other QT-based ones, LXQT. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've used it. That one's not bad, and they are working on other things, but they're also wanting to keep it Light. definitely different than Plasma. So I don't know. That project could take another route if Plasma went low source. That's possible. That is a possibility there. There is a QT base there on a different D. That might be a direction to go. I'm sure what would happen is Plasma would probably get forked. Wherever it is, it would probably get forked. Wherever it was left off, yeah. Yeah. And so somebody, you know, probably Michael would carry that baton for us all. We could thank and at the same time yell at Michael for slow updates. I don't think Michael has time to keep Plasma up. I don't think you could call them timely updates. The update cadence would turn from what Plasma is now to what XFC has been historically. That's what would happen. It'd get updates just like once every five years or so. Michael says he would learn to program to save plasma there you go you've heard it here first <laughs> yep. if plasma ever went closed source michael is on board with keeping it alive i'm sure neil would help yeah he probably would help too there's actually quite a few of us inside the dln community who use plasma i mean there are those who like gnome and xfce and some of those other ones but my baby is plasma yep, so i guess i'd probably have to join michael on that bandwagon of learning how to... Let's wind that back just a little bit. What if just Caden Live went closed source? It wouldn't be as big of an impact, I think. Would it change anything? Because some of us use closed source video editors. Some of us use Lightworks, Resolve. Right. Would that bother you? Could you handle doing like a subscription method with a Caden Live? Would that be a deal killer for you? No, because I already give money to the KDE founder, whatever the name of the foundation is that takes care of KDE. I already give money to them specifically so I can support Caden Live because you can't directly give to the project anyway. So to me, it's no different. I also support the KD project. Have I done it this year yet? I don't think I've done it this year yet. But historically, every year I should give like a nice chunk to them at least once a year. 
that's my contribution to the desktop and everything else that I use. I wouldn't have a problem, depending on how much they would charge for it, I think would be the issue. So to your point, like when it comes to, I have the monthly subscription to Lightworks as an example. I would not pay the $25 a month for Lightworks. I have it for $12 a month, which I think is much more within what I would use Lightworks for. You know, it's like 150 bucks for the year. I think that's within a fair price. Michael's got a really interesting point. He would do a subscription if it wasn't closed. So he would continue using Kdn Live and give them money every month as part of a subscription. But if they closed, he would just jump to a different closed source application that has some of the other features that Kdn Live doesn't have right now. Hmm. I would support like a freemium edition. Like even today, if there's a freemium edition of Kdn Live, like if they had like some additional plugins or some other additional support, just like for Bitwarden, I like what they do and I want to support the project. I would probably do something similar for them as well. Mm-hmm. So they stayed open source. But yeah, it's interesting how it would change if they did go closed source. I think they would lose a lot of people. That's a good possibility. And these are applications that can be a major part of somebody's workflow. Mm-hmm. So in my case, if Darktable went closed source, there still is raw therapy because I do prefer many of the tools in Darktable over raw therapy. But at the same time, with that application, I would totally do the freemium thing too, because there is awesome development going on. It is incredibly powerful. And I would love to have more ways to support that open source tool that I use so much. But at the same time, if that tool went closed, and now you're either having to pay for that application because it's been closed. So say business related, you now have to find money inside your business budget to accommodate for that cost that wasn't there before, or you're completely learning an entirely new workflow. That's where it could be extremely jarring to someone. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially as a business, because then you have the whole adage, time is money kind of deal. You have to look at it in that aspect, because is it easier for me to fork out the, say, $100 or you know whatever the cost of the application is if it went closed source? Or is it going to be a better investment to put the time in to learn a new application that potentially might not have a feature or function that I use constantly? And you only find that out by taking the time to look for that feature and function or learn that application. It is a fair comparison to look at to see which one is really going to be worth that. It's a tough position for developers to be into, I think. We don't place enough emphasis on just how hard sometimes it is for developers to be put in that position, though. I'm devoting a lot of time to this and not getting, I don't want to say financial compensation, but people view their time differently and how it's valued. Some people view the community aspect as a valuable use of their time. Others feel like they should be compensated in different ways. That's really where it's going to be different, I think. It kind of goes back to one of the conversations that we were having a few episodes on game development, where just learning how to build a game can help give you appreciation for what goes into creating every single one of those games and those who aren't developing applications and putting that out there, especially if those open source projects, linking back to last week, are maybe getting a lot of negative comments, not providing constructive criticism, but just being harsh about certain things. That can lead to a point where the developer is like, okay, I have this base and I'm going to sell it because obviously what I'm doing isn't beneficial for who I was trying to provide this to. Would you have a different outlook if a game went from open to closed source versus let's say a utility or a tool that you rely on 
would it be as big of an issue? Like, let's say uh, Zenotic decided just to go closed source and nobody wanted to fork it and just went closed source. But you could still freely download it. Would that affect your enjoyment of that game? No. No, not necessarily. But Zenotic isn't a crucial part of my daily life. Right. So that means that way I still think it's a great game and I'd probably still play it depending on where it was inside of that payment model. The core applications that are part of my life that I use that are open source those are the ones that would directly affect me if they went closed source just because of A, maybe learning a new application or B, deciding where those funds are coming from to now to continue using that application. I think I have different rules for games than I do with utilities or applications that I utilize. I would find that like I wouldn't be as deeply affected or upset. I wouldn't be like Michael Rocket League upset if even my favorite game went closed source that was open source. I'd be, eh, that's unfortunate. It wouldn't be the end of my world necessarily. But things like my desktop of choice or Caden Live or even Audacity, if they went closed source, depending on what they did with it, it would rub me the wrong way. Except Plasma, that would rub me the wrong way if they did that, if KD went closed source. Eric brings up this question. What about products where they have an open source community edition with basic features and paid enterprise versions with more features and support? I would actually be good with that too. I mean, because essentially SUSE Linux Enterprise and OpenSUSE are kind of like that, although it's all open source and they get support when you pay for SUSE Linux Enterprise. And I'm good with that model. That model's fine with me. In fact, I buy every year now because of Neil, actually. I buy a copy of SUSE Linux Enterprise, the desktop edition. I don't run it, but I buy it just to support the company that is investing so much into OpenSUSE. It's a way of supporting the desktop from that project because there's no direct way to contribute to OpenSUSE Linux financially. I do it through the company. I make sure that they get a note about that support as well. Yeah, the best equivocal that I can think of off the top of my head would be something like uh, Only Office. They have the community editions of it, but things like the mobile versions and all that kind of stuff are very much on the opposite end of their spectrum. And it's definitely something that can rub some people the wrong way because they view it as more like an open core kind of business model and you know not being a good open source citizen and all that stuff. And that's more a matter of perspective. I'm fine with kind of the community edition versus the enterprise edition because the community can take the community edition and kind of run whatever direction they want with it. Look at something like uh, Sinalira as an example. You have Sinalira GG, which runs totally counter to what Heroin Virtual, I believe is the name of the company that does the actual Sinalira releases. They're two totally divergent products at this point. Does the open project feed into the closed project at all or the premium project? The premium project does a core code dump once a year. Okay. And occasionally they'll take some of the community edition stuff and put it into the core product. Generically, that's about as much interaction as they have. Hmm. The fluffy programmer also brings up a good point. I'm 100% on board with this too. I don't mind paying supporting open source as long as it's not stupid right. money expensive. And I think that's where most of us come from. And even paid proprietary apps that I'm deciding, do I want to use these or not? Not only am I looking for, you know, what kind of system resources are they asking for? Is there any phoning home that they're doing? But I want to know, okay, how much am I spending on this? Because it definitely has to be a price that I'm comfortable with. And for different people, that's a different amount. But I would have to say the current Adobe model for Photoshop and the <laughs> stuff they have right now is a 
stupid price. It's stupid money. Isn't it like $25 per application? They do a per application per instance kind of deal, if I remember correctly. I haven't looked at Adobe stuff forever. I haven't dived deep into it in quite a while. They've done some changing in their models recently. And so you can get the whole package with everything or you can buy per application. And it's just one of those instances where, especially if you're using this in your day-to-day life, and this is one of the reasons why I really prefer the open source project for my daily workflow is there's so many things that they can do on the back end without saying anything to the people that use it on a daily basis. And now either you just have to take it or try and find something else. Yeah. And most of the time people are just like, oh, this is a bummer, but I guess this is what everybody's using. So I'll use it. I hear you. I was looking at apps that are from similar to Darktable on the proprietary end. The one that I found that popped up was, I think it's Curl Aftershot as a proprietary app. They're asking $63. So if hypothetically, Wendy, Darktable was to charge you that, would you pay that? Yeah, not a problem. I actually used those exact programs before I moved to Linux and found Darktable. And there are some ways that they're very similar. And I think that is a reasonable cost for a program. I've had great luck and I have nothing bad to say about Corel as a company and the products that they put out. I think that what they charge especially for the type of product that they have is 100% reasonable. So those that are wondering, FYI, Aftershot does work on Linux, by the way. If you need that commercial support, it's there. That's really what you're paying for. In my view, you give a company like Corel that you're paying for development and you're paying for the, I need a phone number to call support. That's what you're paying. Whereas free and open source software stuff for obviously is community stuff, forums, Telegram, Discord, all that kind of stuff as far as uh, support. Eric Adams, my wife uses Corel. If their products ran on Linux, I would get her off Windows in a second. So is it just Aftershot or some of their other products work? My understanding is it's only Aftershot because when it was Bibble, Bibble originally supported Linux. It just happens to be a reason that it's still there support. Mm. So if she uses Aftershot, Eric, there you go. But if not, I guess. Might work on a Mac at best, but. uh... (laughs) They're really made for Windows. Yeah, they're Windows apps. It really ends up coming down to the company and how that application is changed from open to closed. It's one of those things that we can speculate, but until the application itself and hopefully Hopefully none of the ones that we use on a daily basis do. It's one of those you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Yep. And you got to make choices. Wendy, there was a question for you in the YouTube chat from Merkin. If you were going to use an app to organize a relatively big collection of photos, would you recommend Darktable or Digicam or something else? I have never used Darktable to organize. Digicam is actually pretty awesome for organization. Most of my organization is done at download anymore with Rapid Photo Downloader. I can't say for sure. I have my in-laws on a program that'll pull them in and that we use to organize. And I can't remember what that one's called. Is it Gwenview maybe? Gwenview's a good viewer. It's one of the ones that came stock on Mint because... When I switched them over to a plasma base, not mint, they were on mate, mate, whatever, one of those words, however you say it. Anyway, they were on that and it was whatever was stuck on me is the one that they were using at the time. Gwenview is KDE stock, which is probably why I'm thinking of it because it's always popping up inside my application menu. 
but I will have to look and see which one I use for them. That one's been great. You can organize in Darktable. I just haven't. I'd prefer something that is a little more auto pull in, which is one of the things that I like about the application that I have my in-laws on. I can set it to where if images come in, so they are not coming through the actual application, it'll look for images inside those image folders and pull them in with a date folder and that kind of stuff, which makes it super easy for them to find the images that they're looking for. I will find out what that is and make sure that it gets dropped in the show notes. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the passive manager we use and trust. It's the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as PIN, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the premium edition, especially since the premium edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into a serious jam numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. That topic went a lot from serious to fun, serious, and then back to fun. Let's have a little more fun, and why don't you share your game recommendation with us this week, Matt? It's like you guys always assume I have, I'm playing a new game or something. I don't know why. I told you, I'm reading the show notes. I know you got a game. Uh, I got nothing there. <laughs> I have been playing a game that pre-show talked about a little bit, that your daughter's kind of likes the art style, of that anime art style. Mm-hmm. I've been playing Star Ocean 5, also known as Star Ocean Integrity. Integrity and faithlessness. I love some of the Japanese titles. It's a Star Ocean game. Like if you've played any of the Tales of games, it's a, an action RPG with a live battle system. Every attack's mapped to a different button. It's not heavy on story. I don't really care for the way that the story aspects told. There's not cutscenes per se. It's more you kind of free moving camera kind of deal. Story's not terrible. I got the game for like ten bucks. I have low expectations when I start going to that. This is a PS4 game. It's a JRPG. If you've played one, you've played most. (laughs) At the $10 price tag, though, I'm fine with it. It's about a 20-hour JRPG, which is kind of short. You can probably burn through this in mostly a couple of days at most. So even though you're a story-focused heavy gamer, it's like, eh, okay, but you're still getting your $10 out of it with the amount of time of gameplay. Yeah. And it's not so much that I'm disinterested in the story. It's the way that it's told. Okay. There's no like cut scenes per se. There's no like way to feel like you're actually with the characters. It's very much, here's a free camera. You're free to move around. The mouth movement, as an example, you have to move the camera in order to kind of view the cut scene. It's just not a great storytelling element, which is where I have an issue with it. It's almost like a Mass Effect 3 where you just kind of hear most of the story in passing where it's not at the forefront. That's kind of where it doesn't really interest me, but 
as a ten dollar game, I can't really complain. My immediate reaction is the PlayStation Store does not do nearly as good of a job as the Steam Store when it comes to advertising the highlights of the game. Actually, quite dull. They show literally the trailer, yeah, and that's it. At least the Steam Store gives you a couple of different trailers, a couple of different photos, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I picked the game up for about ten bucks. I think it's twenty on PlayStation Store though. A thirty on PlayStation Store. So you got a good deal. Get the physical edition. It's a whole lot cheaper. Oh really? I would definitely not spend thirty dollars on it. Good to know. You would not spend thirty dollars on it. I don't have a PlayStation 4 to play it on anyway. It's too new. No, but you do have a Switch, which I do know you have, and I can make recommendations there. Please don't. <laughs> oh. Would you like some Wii U recommendations? Because I also know you have that. Please don't. <laughs> He's busy and doing things. He doesn't have time to play games right now. This is true. No, but I think he'd be more concerned about what games I might get his kids into at this point. <laughs> Also true. Besides me potentially trying to get Nate in trouble by giving his kids new games to play. Nate, what's going on with you, bud? Well, first of all, if they do happen to listen to this podcast, I do have them stop listening before you give your recommendations every time. Like, oh, show's done. Time to change it. Uh, FYI. But uh, what I have going on right now are lots of home improvements. So I am going to retrograde myself from my super cubicle here. I have a buyer on my house and there are a few things that have to be done ahead of time, which means I bought some toys. One in particular is a battery-powered finish nailer because I have window trim to do and other fancy things. The technology that is in the modern-day cordless tool is really pretty amazing. We're trusting you with a nail gun. Oh, yeah. Well, this is actually less dangerous than the other one I have. The framing nail, which I've been using a lot of, is pretty amazing, too. But this is, um, I got an angled finish nailer because it's hard to get, like, into the corners with a straight finish nailer. So you get a little bit of an angle there to get in. is nice. No nails and no battery. I wouldn't dare do this if it had any power on it. So I just got this thing. I'm really excited. I'm going to be moving my location. There's just lots and lots and lots for me to do right now. I get about a good solid two weeks of actual work and then the clothes will probably happen around that time and then I have to remove all my things. So there's some boxing going on of different things. My Amigas here have to be put away, but I'm not ready to pack up the Amigas quite yet or my other retro stuff. Some of it has been, but not all of it. I'm going to be going from being a city mouse back to being a country mouse. And I'm kind of looking forward to that. Actually, I'm lots of looking forward to that. A whole additional load of cubicle nonsense that I can get involved with and having the additional space. Wendy, I see that your topic here that you've been working on is uh, something that we just talked about yesterday. Yes, I thought I'd mentioned it here and was just so glad to be able to share it with you last night. So anybody who missed last Last night or missed me talking about it before was Multi-MC. This game is specific for playing Minecraft on. I've really not played it myself, but it is a game that my kids absolutely love to play. We're running Linux and I really didn't want to fire up a Windows machine in order for them to be able to play Minecraft. And I was trying to find the easiest way to do that. And I came across this application, Multi-MC. It literally means multiple Minecraft instances that you can have inside of this box. And the other advantage of that is say you want to play a mod on Minecraft, but it's only supported by certain versions. You can get that specific version of Minecraft, install the mod, then be jumping back and forth between playing this version of modded Minecraft, the regular new updated one. It is a really cool way for the kids to not only play those games on Linux, but they can also jump back and forth between different mods. This one is cross-platform, so it will work on Windows, of course, and on Mac. If you've got any one of those systems, or you know somebody that likes to play Minecraft and they want to have different instances of Minecraft, this is an excellent way to go. It's a fantastic open source project. Now, I did install it yesterday on my kid's computer. I did have one issue with it. It requires the Mojang login. 
and I only have the Xbox Live login for that, mm. and that didn't work. So apparently that fix is coming. Because I have a license for three of the four kids, so they do have that official license that they've been using. But it's awesome that they're getting the Xbox version too, because so many people have it on Xbox, and it would be nice to transfer that key that you have over, or that license you have over to MultiMC as well. I'm glad that they're working on that. Side note, Merrick found the application that I was talking about, reminded me what it was called, Shotwell. Shotwell is the one that I have my in-laws using that I can set it to automatically pull in images regardless of whether they're downloaded with Shotwell or if they're brought into the photos folders in a different way. It does a great job auto-categorizing them by date. You can quickly easy add an event to the file folders. I've loved that one in just helping others organize their images. It's a really great application. And that's the one that was under tech by somebody for copyright or whatever. Oh, like I believe. I think it was Shotwell. Shotwell was? Some patent troll. Oh, gosh dang them. Yep, they lost it against the Gnome Foundation for developing Shotwell. Yep, but they were victorious. Good. I believe. Setting precedents. Good precedents. Good, good. I hope so. It's a great application and it needs to stay around. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram, Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and all the shows and creators at destinationlinux.network. You can find information about us at... More information on where you can find stuff about me. Go to cubiclenate.com. Links to my regular written Blatherings podcast and YouTube channel can be found there. Although it's been really light as of late because of things. And you can find my random ramblings on Twitter at MattDLN. You can find me on Mastodon at WendyDLN at Mastodon.com. Online. Be sure to check out the DLN merch store, grab yourself some awesome DLN Extend swag, along with stuff from across the shows on the network. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another fantastic episode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone. Wait, this was such a fun live show. Only about 25 to 30 of our listeners actually got to attend the show live. Don't worry, I've got some stuff from the pre-show, few bloopers, and some stuff from the post-show just for you. So hang tight and enjoy a little bit of the live show shenanigans. This is going to sound like a bad host, but uh, can someone send me the Twitch link, please? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, um, I'll let you know right now that I, I've just now subscribed to the Destination Linux um, Network Twitch. Well, welcome like she, to the Destination Linux Network Twitch there. Like, it's live. They all got it. Michael will know. <laughs> Hi, Michael. <laughs> when did you get that, my friend? What does he have? He has a Raspberry Pi 400. He's had it for a yes. while. Have you not been listening to the last I have, few shows? He doesn't, listen, he doesn't listen to Destination Linux Network. <laughs> No, it starts talking. My ears close. So, you know. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I I like to blame him, but I can't really blame him. I mean, because sometimes I even do that to myself, so it's not really. <laughs> so we're just wrapping up some of the prep stuff. You know, you can't expect us to start on time, just like you can't expect. We're, we're like my, we're timer. like Michael and Ryan, totally not professional at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we try. The show ends up professional. Most of the time. Yeah, well, yes, but. the show ends up, the end result <laughs> is what, let, let's be real. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Us personally, no. no, definitely not. And speak of the devil, Mr. Michael Tanell is in the YouTube hey! chat. Hey!
No, Michael, you are okay. You're always on your time. There we go, yeah. Michael. You're always on your time. Exactly. Michael's on, on his own stack of time. Michael's about forty-two minutes early. Michael's not on this show, so we don't have to worry about him being like. Go two seconds. <laughs> oh man, this is really hard for Michael. Matt can dish it, and Michael only can type it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sure I'll get it. I'll get it back. This is already exactly. a great deal and extend. <laughs> what? So you guys just want us to sit here for 45 minutes to an hour and a half and roast Michael? I mean, I can roast Ryan for an hour and a half. That's easy. Ah, <laughs> uh, you could probably do them both, especially if you're switching back and forth. The super cubicle will be uh, retrograded from this resident. Nate, make sure you get your stapler. I was I was told I could keep my radio at a reasonable volume. <laughs> while while Wendy collated the papers and Matt was answering phone calls. You don't want me answering phone calls, trust me. <laughs> that could be entertaining. Very much so. It could be entertaining for everybody but the people you're talking to. And I don't know what you mean. I would never make fun of Nate's unhealthy obsession with open sushi. <laughs> almost like every episode. Almost unhealthy. <laughs> Except for we have you verbatim saying it. It was a slip. Oh, it's not even. It's not even real. Not even. A real. slip usually <laughs> means there's truth to it, though, Nate. Well, I mean, you know, like sometimes when you mean to say, uh, you know, go to your room, and you say get out of the house, you know, to like to your kids or something. Um, you actually meant go to your room, but you know, you slipped. Kind of the same thing. Brian Gadget says it's not unhealthy at all. You're you're good, Nate. See, to steal a line from uh, you know, Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. That's pretty <laughs> much it. <laughs> do do I dare admit I own all three of those movies? What was your thought? Uh, <laughs> what What was your thoughts on the third one? I gotta know as a parent. Uh, I'm I'm mixed. I'm I have mixed feelings about. About that one, I think the storylines maybe, and I that this is so weird to say because like Bill and Ted, dude. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that the storyline was quite as good as the other two movies. Like I enjoyed it, but I don't know. I think they did the best they could with what they had. With what they had, well, like I'm glad they didn't try to do, go back thirty years like they did. <laughs> You know, yeah, and, yeah. So the fact they're like, oh, we got kids and a family and <laughs> like adult stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's about the best way you can do it. <laughs> Which I mean, the ending of that one or the storyline of that one would have made more sense if they haven't hadn't ended the first one or the second movie with Bill and Ted like going off and saving everything. You know, all of those oh, paper okay. clippings. Wendy, you're you're looking at a Bill and Ted movie. I know, but I am such a stickler to sticking with a storyline. It drives me nuts, and it doesn't matter what it is. I've complained about this to Michael too. It's one of the things I hate what they've what Marvel's done with the X Men movies, or whoever did them, Fox, Fox, whatever. I don't care. They're supposed to be Marvel storyline. Anyway, it's drove me nuts. I can't stand to watch any of them anymore because they've totally screwed up the storyline from top to bottom. Blech. Yeah, the, the X Men movies are weird because there's like these weird like oh that's a pretty good one, and then they, they have like 
four or five like really bad ones and you're like how do you constantly mess them up not only four or five really bad ones but four or five ones that undo what they did in the Mm -hmm. really good one yeah why days of future past was actually really good because it resets a lot of stuff and it's like okay cool and then somehow you're like we're gonna jump to the 70s then the 80s then the 90s yeah (laughs) it's like no no nope Pick a storyline and stick with it. And if you're making a third movie, you've already put together part of the storyline. You got to work around it. Just do it. Okay. Okay. Rant. Okay. Rant, rant, rant storylines. <laughs> we're gonna do a show. Hey, yeah. we're gonna do. A show. We're actually gonna start the show. Are we? Maybe. Are we really? I don't know. Yes. On this episode of Deal End, we discuss what would happen. If your favorite open source project goes closed. You forgot the extend part. <laughs> did I? Yeah. You did. Wow. See, we're already starting off with boo-boos. With me today are my two fantastic co-hosts, OpenSUSE. <laughs> hey, OpenSUSE. That could be my name, honestly. Is with me today. <laughs> Somebody is pounding on, my, on the front door of my house. So I have to go find out who's pounding on my house. All right. See you back in a minute. This is one of the fun parts about doing the show live. Live. Seeing that, you know, life still happens behind the scenes. Yep. The finished product does not equate (laughs) to what happens to get to the finished product. Uh, Yeah. Yes, exactly. It was a UPS driver. He could just left it on the front steps, on on the front porch. (laughs) So it wasn't one you had to sign for? No. We can't talk about this on DLN Extend, by the way. Because that would change my um, uh, my brand. Here. Well, there's a bunch of people right now that just saw that you got a new... I'll just deny it. Just deny it, deny, deny. We will... I left that line in there. You left that line in there. I almost said, join us tomorrow. Don't join us tomorrow. We're live right now. As we always, we... <laughs> we won't be here. Yay! We did it! This show has been finished. There was some... I love all of the feedback that was happening during the different conversations today. That was super cool. You guys totally added to making this a great show. Maybe we could do another live episode sooner than we thought. Because actually it wasn't, I mean, you know, Matt didn't say anything, you know, awful. And Wendy <laughs> didn't say anything that awful. I and mean, she did say, gosh darn. And that was, that was pretty edgy for her. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're you, reeking with sarcasm. <laughs> Wendy, Necromancer has been calling you Jill. Been calling me Jill? <laughs> I was going to say, well, given how much tech you keep buying, you might start being Jill. And I'm not offended by you calling me Jill. She's super sweet, and a lot of people across the different shows love her. So I'm, I'm definitely not offended by being called Jill. Wendy, you got to stop praising Michael so much. <laughs> well, I mean, you're always a... giving him crap. So, you know, I, I got to. Well. It's... Well, maybe. It, it's... <laughs> Wendy's the yin to your yang, Matt. There you go. There you go. That's or why it, we, we work so well together. I'm not sure. There won't be an edited version with all of our faces on it. I'm sorry. Some of it has to do with bandwidth as well. Just. Because until I get Starlink internet where it sits, it's slow. And <laughs> right now, my family it, it, can't use the internet because I have removed 
the line in to the router and have plugged it directly into my desktop to make sure that there was no glitches there. <laughs> my family has no internet access at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the local media, children. Because <laughs> that's what you got. <laughs> Time to break out the VHS player. We just need to get you Brondo. Brondo? What's Brondo? It's what plants crave. I'm oh, right. so you're like giggles, <laughs> and I have no idea what in the world you're talking about. <laughs> There's a movie called Idiocracy. That's one Michael told me that I have to see. Okay, so I I absolutely need to see that because you've mentioned it and Michael's mentioned it. I just need to get on the bandwagon and see it. It's got one of my favorite actors in it too. Like I love um, Terry Crews. So all, all I'm gonna, all I'm gonna say is they're shocked when you water the plants with water they're like from the toilet wait what <laughs> because, <laughs> they, they 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 water their fields with essentially gatorade it's pretty wow. funny